0: first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe of course. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Episode 46. hope everyone can hear me okay. Hey Jerry, how are you? Um, I did get your email. Thank you for tuning in and you were right about episode 45. Uh, Let's get into that. The Golf Rules Question of the Week, episode 45. Fraser has interference with the branches of a tree that are outside of a ground under repair area. This ground under repair area is defined by a white line. However, the tree is rooted in the ground and repair area. So the branches overhang outside the GUR and Fraser's swing is hitting them, but none of the branches that interfere with his swing are inside the GUR area, but the tree is rooted inside the GUR area. Is Fraser entitled to free relief? Well, I've just confused myself with my own question. Why did I write but in there twice? Anyway, the, the point that I was trying to make, the part of the tree that is interfering with Fraser is outside the GUR area does, uh, does Fraser still get free relief? So the answer, whilst the boundary of the GUR is straight down from the defined line, the white line, or if there were stakes, uh, it would be the invisible line between the outside of the stakes. Also states that anything rooted in the GUR area is part of the GUR. So in this case, Fraser is entitled to free relief. And if, If it was a no-play zone, he must take free relief due to that interference with his swing. He would be breaching rule 16.1 if uh, if he didn't. Uh, But in this case, it's not a compulsory drop. It's not a no-play zone. He may take free relief if he wished. Which brings me to another interesting point. If there were tree roots... And funnily enough, if there are tree roots, as the boundary goes straight down from ground level, should these tree roots go under the line, they are effectively cut off from being part of the GUR. So if you've got tree roots outside the GUR, if they don't go under the ground, so they you can see them the whole way, then they're still part of the GUR. But if they go under and come back up, they are not part of the GUR area anymore because they're cut off by that uh, GUR boundary uh, interference under 16.1 is when you have interference distance, lie of the ball, or swing. And in this case, uh, Fraser had interference to his swing. He had, uh, you know, he had the ability to get free relief. And those trees weren't even in effectively inside that line, that white line, but. Uh, as I just said they were part of the GUR. So I've had a couple of interesting questions come up lately including one from Steve Whiting. Um not sure if Steve's on the line. It was one of those premonition situations again and I'll just talk about it and then I'll you'll understand why it was a premonition <laughs> situation. Great call Jerry the rules are always up early. So Steve asked about a player who played onto an adjacent fairway then played a wrong ball and had to return to the area to find his own ball within the three minute search time already elapsed. So this player believed that someone from another group had taken his ball. So effectively the three minute search time has already elapsed, so it's going to be a lost ball as well. So he's had the wrong ball and then he's got a lost ball. But he believed that someone had take, from another group had taken his ball. So this was proved to be correct. But as the information was found out after the three minute search time, his ball should have been deemed lost. Unfortunately, the story goes that the decision was made that the player could proceed under Rule 9.6, but still incurred the two-stroke penalty and stroke play for hitting the wrong ball. Steve asked this question prior to the Bryson DeChambeau disappearing ball incident, which um, happened um, not on the weekend just gone, but the one before. Uh, the big difference there is that the committee knew, we were virtually certain that the ball had been picked up by a spectator before the three minutes was up, they just didn't get the message to Bryson due to radio interference before the three minutes. So it's a, a huge difference, and I would say that the player Steve is speaking of got away with one there. Uh, hey, Brian Shanahan, love the show. Help me as a born again beginner learn more about the rules. Really appreciate it. Hey, we're always we're always learning, uh, Brian. It's, it's certainly yours truly always learning another incident that popped up in front of me was the difference between separate acts and related acts this is certainly you know brian you're talking about learning Uh, this is certainly one that gets my head spinning the situation that popped up was whether determining the yardage of your shot by using a distance measuring device that also has a slope function in playing your shot and then going through this process again before another shot Was a separate or related act it is an act that is similar and on the same hole but because of the intervening act the stroke then it's seen it is seen as a separate act and the player incurs the general penalty for the first act and then disqualification for the second Uh, A note there there aren't many occasions where you can get disqualified from a match uh, but that would be that would be one of them so just quickly back to Separate and related acts. What breaks up a related act is one of three actions You make a stroke you put a ball into play replacing or dropping e.g Replacing or dropping you are made aware of the breach someone tells you that you just broke a rule and then you do it again So you will most likely incur the penalty twice or possibly three or four times I could make a whole episode on related versus separate acts. So Maybe I'll do that. Maybe we'll dive into that uh, into an, in another episode. Uh, it certainly can be confusing. I believe the RNA USGA may be doing something, uh, hoping to do something about that. You know, 2023 is when that will roll around. And lastly, see without without Roscoe, and, uh, and I do miss him dearly, but without Roscoe, these episodes do chuggle on pretty fast. But lastly, I've wanted to speak about rule 18.2, 18.3 and then 14.4 14.6 because I've had the same question asked of me in recent weeks about dropping a ball into play and then the original ball being found. So which ball is in play? The question was, we were searching around for the ball, two minutes had elapsed. I went back to the spot and I dropped my ball and then my original was found which ball was the ball in play firstly 18.2 18.3 18.2 is when you've lost a ball um, so possibly this could be more 18, you could see this is more 18.1 or 19.2 uh, that's all you know all relatively the same just in different places anyway you've gone back if you've put it in the teeing area because i didn't tell you exactly where the ball was uh, where the original shot was from if you put it in the teeing area then the ball is not in play until you've made a stroke at it so you could kick it around the teeing area you could tee it up you could move it blah 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 it's not in play until you actually make a stroke whereas if it's in the rough fairway penalty area bunker then it's not in play it's not in play until you actually dropped it with the intention that's where 14.4 comes in. You've dropped it with the intention for it to be back in play, and then on the putting green, very unlikely when you've got the intention to place it, place it and put it back into play. I also wanted to mention 18.3, which is provisional ball, because if you go, you can go back now and say I want to play a provisional ball, and then you play the provisional ball and say it, the three minutes isn't up yet and the provisional ball was was played from a spot no nearer the hole than where you think, very important, where you think the original was is lost, uh, supposed to be, then the provisional ball is still a provisional ball and the original ball may still be the ball in play. However, once the three minutes is up, the provisional ball becomes the ball in play. But the question, the main question that the you know, the, the subscribers, followers, the, the community, the lifeblood of golf rules questions, wanted to know is can I now pick up my ball that I just dropped and go and play the original? Well, they hadn't said that the ball that they dropped was a provisional ball. So as soon as they dropped it in the area with the intention for it to be in play, it was the ball in play. So the fact that they found the original ball within three minutes uh, their original ball was abandoned as soon as they dropped that ball to be in play okay so but whereas on the tee you go and put it and you tee it up it's not in play until you make a stroke so if someone yells out oh, I found your ball then you just got to pick that one up unless you want to deem that ball unplayable under 19.2 and just play it off the tee but that original ball is the ball in play so very interesting that I got basically the same email surely they're not even in the same country part of the world uh, but yeah same e- email uh, within a couple of weeks and you know and as i said before it, it can happen you know steve steve had that premonition i love those ones we had a couple last year those premonition rule situations that then happen on the pga tour or the european tour or the lpga Stuart, does every match at the Ryder Cup have an assigned referee or are they roving? <laughs> so, great question. And the, the reason I laugh is that it seems to be in the world of golf, and I guess that's it's true because uh, of all the TV cameras and, you know, that we don't want to get, you know, you want to be there on the spot and, and assist in the drama of the moment and make sure it's all right and correct, but seems that the more players, uh, sorry, the less players that play, the less professionals that play, the more referees there are at those top matches, uh, those top competitions. So what will happen is the Ryder Cup, they'll have an assigned referee for every, uh, they'll have an assigned referee for every match. uh, And then they possibly will have one or two observers, uh, so they have a signed referee and they have one or two observers. Um, you know, going either side of the hole. Uh, the The toughest thing, and I found this out when I was helping out at the Presidents Cup, is that the galleries are so big that you know I hadn't experienced that before. That you really do need to get to the ball if it goes off course and make sure that. Uh, um, you know you can help assist with moving the player uh, moving the spectators and, and if there's players need any relief options and and whatever um, if you are an assigned you know you're working like a football referee we mentioned that last week due to some of the technical issues of the YouTube live stream the GRQ OTW 46 didn't actually get make its way onto the live stream so I'm recording this after, I did put the question up on the community section of YouTube and the question is between play of holes 9 and 10 Ross took Big P's putter and hit three putts on the practice putting green whilst waiting for the fairway on the 10th hole to clear so they could tee off. Does Ross incur any penalties for this action? You will hear the answer in episode 47. You can let me know the answer for match play and stroke play.